You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. A lot to dive into here in the GM Shuffle after week three. Old quarterbacks looking ancient, the likes of Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Wentz. How about young teams still trying to find their way, like the New England Patriots and the New York Giants and Chicago Bears? Absolutely awful performances all the way around. And Washington, as Mike Lombardi has been saying, their defense, come on, don't believe the hype. We dive in, though, Mike, with an absolutely fabulous game last night. Packers and 49ers as the Green Bay Packers somehow emerged victorious. They took an early 17-0 lead, right? It looks like they're going to dominate the entire game. Very last play of the half, the Niners bring in Trey Lance. They go for it on fourth down for the touchdown. That gives them some momentum. And then late in the fourth, Jimmy G drives the Niners down. Looks great. Two-minute drill. All right. They get the score. Game-winning touchdown with 37 seconds left. Rodgers only needed to make two passes. He had one incompletion. Hits Devontae Adams twice for those big gains. And then Mason Crosby hits a 50-yarder. But people are getting off the hook all over the place. How about LaFleur, the fact that he went for a fourth, got burned, and ends up Aaron Rodgers bails him out. And Shanahan as well with an inexplicable play you can dive into. Well, I mean, I still don't understand what this— I don't know why this is so hard for people to comprehend. Like, I, I don't understand why Chris Collinsworth doesn't even see it. Like, when you get, when you have, when you, look, you can't, you can't not score there, right? So when you have the ball first and 10 at the Green Bay 12, you have two opponents, right? You want to score, but you want to do it so where Aaron Rodgers can't beat you. Because no matter what happens, Aaron Rodgers is on the other sideline. You know, it's not LaFuck, it's Aaron Rodgers. So you got to deal with that, right? So, but you got to score. You can't not, okay, we're not going to score because it's too damn hard to score. It's been a hard game. Got it. So they score. All right. So now there's 37 seconds left to go. This is, seems like this is the same time all the time, right? 37 seconds left to go. They kick the ball out of the end zone. Why? 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 Put the ball in play. Make them return. Green, Green Bay special teams, as Big Daddy would say, 
He hates their spe- the, the worst special teams at all of football, according to Big Daddy. Now, just so for the record, Big Daddy's watched nobody else's special teams <laughs> when he makes that announcement. But the reality of it is, is they're not good. So make their returners beat you. Cover the kick. Make a play. You got all the momentum. They might not get it back to the 25. So now you take six seconds off the clock, and maybe they start at the 18. Maybe that seven yards will make a huge difference. You know, why put the ball out of the end zone and not and let them start at the 25 with a fresh 37 seconds on the clock? I, it, be, it, it just destroys me to even understand why this is so hard to explain to people. And a lot of it is because, you know, Kyle's an offense coordinator calling plays. Some Nobody's in his ear telling him, like, look, we got to put the ball in play. This is a situation of a game. I mean, Mike Vrabel did it two weeks ago. He's smart. He wasn't going to let Russell Wilson come back and beat him. Baltimore does the same thing. We'll get to Detroit later. Dan Campbell did exactly. He kicks the ball in the end zone. Oh, and then Lamar on fourth and 19. We'll talk about. But so for me, this was a game that, you know, Green Bay had control of. I, I thought, I don't know what you thought, AD, but I thought the, the penalties, the pass interference calls on the 49ers were really nitpicking calls. I didn't think, especially in the first half, I thought there was some really bad. Now, I thought the one in the, the fourth, quarter, fourth quarter was bad, kind of makes up. I did not think on the landscape of week three, the officiating was very good. Yeah, I definitely got the sense that like the Packers are beneficiaries of their officiating, meaning that, like you said, poor calls against the Niners seem to benefit them. And I, with officiating, I always feel like week one, if there's a few bad calls, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. And there's always some new rules that we're instituting, right? By week three, I feel like we got to clean this up. Right, week one I accept it. Week two I'm like, okay. Week three I'm like, this is unacceptable. Like as a fan, I'd be pissed off now, especially if I'm a, a Niners fan. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, look, if you're a Niners fan, you you, you know you're getting you, you can't cover. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the front. I thought the Packers' offensive line was the game winner of the game. I mean, they deserve all the credit in the world because they were able to really they were able to keep the 49ers, which is the strength of their team, the defensive front. If the 49ers can't pressure the quarterback, they're they're never going to stop anybody. They're never going to stop anybody. And when they have to play from behind, I think you see it. I think the 49ers' inability to protect. I thought Alex Mack last night single-handedly cost the 49ers the game. Now, we never heard about it, right? We never talked about it because for some reason, we're just, you know, I'm sure he's on pro football focus, his third best center in the <laughs> league. I have no idea, but he was atrocious. He was absolutely atrocious in this game. Like he's bad snap. He gets beat for a sack. I mean, you know, when he made the block on the Trey Lance run, we couldn't wait to praise him, but we got no chance. Like at some point, like pointed out, like the guy's playing horrible. He's an older player who's not playing very good. I like Alex Mack. I was with him one year in Cleveland. He's a really good, he was a really good player. He's not a good player anymore. And the and the and the Packers put a guy right over his face and gave him all sorts of trouble. And, you know, and he's got a bad snap, snaps the ball too early on a third and two. Now we got to punt the ball. I mean, that this shit adds up. These are too many mistakes, especially when you throw an interception, you fumble the ball, you give them an opportunity. I mean, think about this. The Green Bay had the ball four times in the second half, AD. They went touchdown punt. Field goal, field goal. I mean, you know, like they couldn't stop them. They never could really stop them. And that one time where they made him punt, for some reason, I don't know why, Aaron Rodgers got it up his skin. He wanted to throw three deep balls. And and they and he overthrew all three of them. It wasn't, it wasn't like they were, they were 50. Well, the one ball was a 50-50 ball that they made a play on. But for the most part, 
Like I was like, where'd that drive come from? That's the weirdest drive I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but he decided to do it. So, you know, look, I, I think the Niners, the, 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 they're going to have to fix their their problems. I mean, Josh Norman got hurt. And I said to Millie, I'm like, well, why are they making a big deal that Josh Norman got? He can't cover anybody. <laughs> like, so he went to the locker room. Who, you know, they don't have a corner when he's on the field. They don't have a corner when he went to the locker room. Like, they don't have any corners. And today, the the Panthers traded C, traded for C.J. Henderson from they traded for C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville, the former, uh, I think he was like the tenth pick in the draft. Another one of David Blaine Caldwell's miracles. Another one. <laughs> They're just all over the league. Uh, but why, why do we go down that road anyway? Um, but the reality of it is, is they say they traded Dan Arnold, a pass catching tight end, for a corner. I mean, there's no corners in the league, and, and Carolina was going to draft. Carolina was in a position in their draft last year. They were going to take Henderson or they're going to take Derek Brown. They took the big guy smart. But now they got Henderson and they basically get him for Arnold in a third and they get they get Henderson in a fifth back. So it's a it's a good deal for Carolina because with, with losing JC Horn, they have no corners. You know, they've got Jackson and then that's it. Corners are hard to find. Hard to find. And if you want to play man to man, which you have to play, it's even harder. And that's why when I looked at that game overall, I said, hey, good for Green Bay, Rodgers, Magic, 2-1, but they still have serious concerns. And I look at the 49ers and go, you almost pulled it off, you're 2-1, but you still have serious concerns. So it's it's interesting how you saw the flaws for both those teams apparent. Meantime, for the Rams and the Bucks, I said the Rams would win 34-31. I gave the Bucks too much credit. It was 34-24, potential NFC Championship game preview, and Matt Stafford was fantastic. I mean, he steps up big time, 343 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, Brady... He had 55 pass attempts. He throws for 432, but he was their team's leading rusher. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. He rushed three times for 14 yards. Think about that. And the guy did not realize it would have a huge game. The former Eagle, Deshaun Jackson's 34 years of age. He had three catches for 120 and a touchdown. This is the classic, you know, in the car where it says, you know, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. Mike, this score may appear closer than it was. The Rams really controlled this one. You know, and and Stafford got pushed uh I think it was the left tackle. I don't think it was Whitworth. Maybe it was the left guard. He got pushed back. I mean, Jackson's wide open for a touchdown. He gets pushed back into the pocket. You know, there's seven they gave up there. And then he was wide open on another deep ball that he couldn't find. He couldn't track it in the air. Uh, well, now that was the one he got pushed back. And then he was open another time in the game and Stafford overthrew him. And then they finally hit on the touchdown. They couldn't cover him. I mean, look, here's the reality of the Bucs. You, you can't run the ball on the Bucs. That's true. I mean, they had 24 attempts for 76 yards. They averaged 3-2 a carry. But you, you can throw the ball on the Bucks. You can throw the ball on the Bucks. And Todd Bowles is really left with a bad hand because he knows he can't play man-to-man. He knows if he gets in a man-to-man game, then it's a problem. And if he's, you know, without Jason Pierre-Paul on the field, without his ability to really control the line of scrimmage, and a good quarterback like Stafford who can get rid of the football knows where, where he's going with it and can read the coverage out, they couldn't cover Co- Cooper Cup, nice player. They couldn't cover Jefferson. They certainly couldn't cover uh, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, they couldn't cover him at all. And he could have had at least two more touchdowns in the game. So, look, this is one of those where I think the Bucks were due to – I, I like the Bucs. Uh, to I like the the Rams to cover. I thought this was I thought the Rams should have been favored in the game, and they weren't. They went to the dog, 
and they did it. Now, Brady will come back this week. He's going to play against, you know, he'll get his team back. They go, they go to New England. New England's defense is perfect for what Brady wants to do. They'll be He'll be able to throw the ball 35 times in that game, complete 30 of them, and they'll be able to get their running game going, which will be a problem for New England. And as far as the Rams are concerned, we've said this before that, you know, Goff was such a liability for them. You know, they're very top-heavy in their talent. Aaron Donald's a three-time defensive player of the year. Obviously, you got Jalen Ramsey. The receivers are great, Woods and Cup, and the tight end as well. But Stafford's a difference maker. Like, I, I don't know I don't know what it is, Mike, when I'm watching them going, is Stafford that good or was Goff that bad? Goff's that bad. I mean, Stafford can throw drop-back passes. I mean, Stafford can throw drop-back passes. That's the difference. And Stafford's eye level's up the field. Stafford's a tough guy. I mean, you know, Goff is, gets hit and everything's going to fall apart. I mean, they, 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 he couldn't really play with consistent toughness, you know, and, and, and I think Stafford can. It, they're a completely different offense now. They can throw it down the field better. And, that you know, they got Higby, who's a really good tight end, you know, to go along with Cooper Cup, to go along with Robert Woods, you know, and they get enough out of their offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, and look, the, defensively, they're a problem. You got to block Donald. That's hard. You got to block, the, you know, they're, they're going to take a receiver out of the game. That's a hard thing. So, yeah, I mean, look, as long as they stay healthy at the Rams, at the key spots, they're going to be in this thing till the end. All right, that's good news there for all the fans at SoFi Stadium. Uh, one concern before we get to the Chargers and Chiefs. After the game, Andy Reid taken to the hospital after feeling ill. Later reported he was treated for dehydration, expected to be fine. So hopefully a, a scary situation there ends up being nothing. Uh, as far as the game, though, wow, Chiefs are 1-2. and two. Chargers win at 30-24, to 24, and the Chargers defense was excellent. I was watching this game on Red Zone much of the first half going, hey, when is Kansas City going to get rolling here? They're last in the division the first time since 2015. Mahomes. Holmes looked out of sorts, which was a surprise to me, and four turnovers from the Chiefs. I know this goes both ways, Mike. We say, hey, Chargers defense stepped up, but the Chiefs, I mean, false starts, illegal shifts, what the hell's going on? They did not look well coached. I mean, for Andy Reid, who was 16-0 and going into the season in September and won the first game, and now he's lost two in a row in September when he usually dominates, was strange. And I think, really, when I watched this game, there was a play, you probably were watching it on the red zone. And, and you know, look, I love the red zone, but sometimes, you know, this, these, these mythology cases take over. The first interception, I don't know if you saw it, the first interception, Mahomes throws the no-look pass. And, of course, we you know, red zone under the direction of our man, Scott, they went all crazy. Oh, my God, did you see this? They all went Dick Vitello. Yeah. Oh, my God, no-look <laughs> pass, right? Right. And the receiver should have caught the ball. It was a hard catch. The ball was thrown behind the receiver. <laughs> like, the guy's got to contort his body. Like, like I, Mahomes is great. He doesn't need any more praise than than that. But maybe look at the receiver before you throw him the fucking ball, because <laughs> the guy was the guy had to make a hard catch. Meanwhile, we're over there on TV. Oh my God, it's the greatest throw of all time. Like seriously, can't we? Do we have to go to the extremes? Can't we just say Mahomes is great, but perhaps he should have thrown a more accurate ball there? You know, I mean, they're they're not in sync offensively. They're not in sync. And we know they're not in sync defensively. And look, the Chargers took it to them. The Chargers, the Chargers were the better team on that day. And here's what I liked about the Chargers. Fourth and nine, nah, we're not kicking a field goal. We're not punting. You can't cover us. We're going for it. They got a, they got a pass interference call. I don't, we don't give a shit. We're going to go for it. You can't cover us. We're not intimidated by you whatsoever. I mean, I like that about the Chargers. I thought that showed some real moxie. They were going to take the game to them. Now, I didn't approve, A.D., 
I would have knelt the ball down and tried to just settle for the field goal and made sure the Chiefs couldn't come back and beat me. But Staley said after the game, the win was really a problem. And the field goal kickers, I mean, is there a team that is just snake bitten with field goal kickers than the Chargers? Oh, I mean, they should really go out and hire an outside counsel to pick their next kicker because they can't pick it. Whoever they pick is going to be a disaster, right? Whoever they decide to go with, it's a disaster. Like if they were on the, if they were on, uh, uh, Let's make a deal. They would always pick something that was worse. You know, Monty, Monty, you know, behind door number two, you know, there's that, there's the, the gorilla costume and that's all you would get. Like, seriously, they, they have the worst luck at picking kickers. It's horrendous. Yeah, it's it's a problem, especially when, like you said, special teams just generally gets overlooked sometimes. And that's why when it happens, you go, are you kidding me? The damn well, kicker? Well, they the missed a field goal, AD. He, he misses the extra point. Right. I mean, when he goes for it, then they miss the extra point. So if the Chiefs score a touchdown at the end of the game, they're going to win it. Yep. I mean, he misses an extra point, which it it, 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 it kind of valid, validates, you know, Staley not going for it, going for it on fourth down. I mean, like Staley said, he said, look, Mike Williams was the best player on the field. They couldn't cover him. It's true. They couldn't cover him. They couldn't cover him. They couldn't cover Keenan Allen. I mean, it was, look, they took it right to him. And then the interception Mahomes made, uh, when he throws the ball up there like that, like he's careless with the ball. Like you can't do that. I mean, you can't you can't be as careless with the football as he's been. I mean, and that's you know they get behind fourteen to nothing. They have two fumbles to start the game off. They go interception, fumble, fumble, punt, field goal. That's their first half. They come back in the second half. Boom! Touchdown! 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 Then he throws the then he throws the pick. Then the pick cost them. So they got they got basically they got two interceptions. They have four turnovers in the game. You can't win like that. No, even as great as you are at the Chiefs. The, I, but I got to give the Chargers credit. They showed moxie. They were tough. They, they were not intimidated by the, the AFC. They went right in there and they took it right to them. And they came out of it the winner. Yeah, a guy who I hadn't seen a whole lot of was Austin Eckler. I mean, he had 11 rushes, 55 yards. He had six catches, 52 yards. He gives them a little bit more versatility there with Keenan Allen. Mike Williams had seven catches for 122. We love Herbert, four touchdowns. I mean, the Chargers, again, I'm like, are they that good? Or is Anthony Lynn that bad? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, I think that what they've done, you know, one of the things they really struggled on is in the red zone. I mean, this is a team that really should be 3-0. I mean, they had the Cowboys beat. They were horrendous in the red zone. Now, this week, they're four for five in the red zone. It made all the difference in the world. That was the difference in their team. They were four for five in the red zone. The Cowboys game, they're two for six. They turned the ball over. I think the Chargers are going to be a really tough out. I mean, they're good on defense. They play hard. They rally to the football. You got to protect. If your quarterback can't move, it's going to be a problem on them. They're good. Indeed they are. When we come back, some crazy sequences unfolding around the league. Records being tied, broken. That Ravens-Lions game was something else. We'll talk about it next. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. 
done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic at seed.com shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. Okay, Ravens and Lions. So the Lions scored the go-ahead field goal with a minute left. The Ravens get the ball back. Jackson to Sammy Watkins, a fourth and 19. Okay, it's not fourth and 26 back there in the days of the Eagles, but fourth and 19, pretty impressive with seven seconds left to keep the game alive. The next play, Lamar throws the ball out of bounds to kill more clock, but the play clock clearly ran down to zero. No penalty was called. Justin Tucker who, again, I remember watching that real sports video on this guy, the profile of him. This guy's unbelievable. He's one of the greatest kickers ever, and he sings opera. Well, he's singing an aria for the ages because he hits an NFL record 66-yard field goal. Crossbar and bounce over the win. The Ravens, hey, amazing. But for the Lions, Mike, you you gave up a fourth and 19, a missed call by the refs, and the longest NFL field goal ever. That's insanity. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it goes back to, really, I think one of the biggest issues were, you know, they got first and 10, they have the ball at the Baltimore 14. Now, once again, you're in position here. The Baltimore has, has two timeouts on first and 10. Okay? You, you know, you've got first and 10. You've got to find a way to get a first down. you got to find a way to get, you got to be able to get a first down so you'll get the ball back. But they don't. And they really, they run the ball three times. They take away all their timeouts, which, you know, you can argue that it probably should have been a little bit more aggressive. But on the third down, third and nine, Baltimore used their last timeout, okay, at 152. So the ball, so at 152, they snap, they, they, they're forced to run the ball here. They're forced to run the ball. You could run a screen, but you got to catch it because if you leave a minute, so they take that thing all the way down, they go all the way down and they burn the timeout at 108 and then they kick it. So now there's 105 to go. That's a lot of time in the game. That's a lot of time in the game. 64 seconds. That's at least, at least, now they have no timeouts, but you got to feel like at 64 seconds, and if you can get a playoff every six seconds, if you get out of bounds, that gives you at least 10 plays. So if you don't get out of bounds, you're probably going to get five plays. Okay. So we got to defend five plays. So why not kick the ball into bounds, take away one of those five plays, you know, eat up, eat up a good chunk of time. And then go from there. Okay, so they start to drive at the 25. He gets sacked for three yards. Eats up a ton of climb. Same time you get sacked when you don't have any timeouts, the killer. That's at 104. He gets at 104. They snap it. They don't snap the next play until 40 seconds. And he goes out of bounds. Now they come back at 35 seconds. And he loses six yards. And it goes down. And Detroit calls timeout with 26 seconds. Right before, right when the clock stopped. 26 seconds. So they call timeout. Okay, 
So Lamar Jackson on fourth and 19, he goes back. I don't know what they were doing on defense. I don't know if they were playing too deep man under. The pass rush was not coordinated. They didn't get anybody in his face. They were, I mean, either rush two, rush three, spy the guy, layer rush the guy, do something. They give up a fourth and 19. Okay, he comes up to the line of scrimmage and he spikes it. Then you get the delay. I mean, it was as clear as the day. I went back and watched it again today. It was as clear and they don't call it. Now, today they'll say they just, and this is Scott Novak who can't wait to call penalties. He's been calling penalties all day. He had another, he had another 13 penalty game. I think he had six penalties on, on, on Detroit, seven on, on Baltimore or something like that. And they, Baltimore, Baltimore had the ball three minutes and 55 seconds of the fourth quarter and they steal a win. Steal the win. Now, look, you can make the argument, and I, and I would. Hollywood Brown killed the Ravens in this game. He had more drops in this game, drops for big plays and drops for touchdowns. He really hurt the team. It shouldn't have been this close. It should not have been this close at the end. Baltimore should have won this game, but Detroit had a chance to win it, and they couldn't do it. So the Ravens emerged victorious. As you said, some questionable calls there by Detroit, especially that defense when you can't get any pressure on a quarterback with 4th to 19. If you want some questionable plays, though, how about the Jaguars? They lose the Cardinals 31 to 19. You say, okay, on paper, fine. Cardinals are much better. Kyler Murray, another good game, 316 yards passing. But how about the situation? Tied at 7-all at the end of the half, Cliff Kingsbury decided to attempt a 68-yard field goal. The kick falls short. The Jags' Jamal Andrew returns the miss, a record-tying 109 yards to give the Jags a 13-7 lead. Like, what a bonehead move by Kingsbury, going for a 68-yard field goal. The Jags score, here we go, but then they go for a flea flicker with the lead and a pick six that completely shifted momentum in the game. Urban Meyer's just getting torched today, Mike. Oh, I mean, Urban, you know, look, Urban, USC's there. Just go take it. Don't worry. No one's going to get mad. Just take it. Yeah, just take it. it. You're better off. I mean, Nick Saban, the greatest college coach in the history of college coaching, he he, he ended up the. Sometimes you just got to know where you go. I have no idea what Jacksonville does on defense. I can't figure them out. I have no idea what they're doing on defense. I mean, yesterday they actually ran the ball effectively. They had 29, they had 160 yards rushing yesterday. You know, they actually had to run. They kept the ball in play. They kept it. You know, they were able to run the football. They did a better job of protecting. They held the Cardinals for one for nine on third down. They still gave up 407 yards. Can you imagine that? Gave up 407 yards and, and, and held the Cardinals for one for nine on third, seven, on third down. I mean, you know, that was a hard game for them. They can't cover. Of course, the problem also is Jacksonville's two for 11 on third down. I mean, Jacksonville's got a long way to go. And we get to watch him against the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend on Thursday night. Everybody's <laughs> complaining about the game. I'm not. Like, I like football. Like, why would I complain? I don't give a shit what, what two teams play. I like it. Yeah, they were kind of making jokes, Buck and Aikman. Like, hey, get ready for Thursday. We're going to have to check out the Bengals and Jaguars. But whatever. Two teams trying to improve. Obviously, two teams with two young quarterbacks. Lots of hype. At the very least, you go, hey, I get to watch Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has nine turnovers in his first three games. Some of it is his fault. Some of the times I'm watching, well, that's just a bad mistake. That's a bad read. But sometimes I go, I'm not sure about this play calling, and I'm not sure about some of these receivers, the routes that they're running. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around there. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and I think, to me, it's always... It's always the case, like with their, like they don't have an identity. They can't really get anything going with their offensive line. They can't really get anything going with their, with their ability to control the pace of the game. This is what's happened to a lot of teams is there's no rhythm to what they're trying to do offensively. And then constantly they're playing from behind. And when you're always playing from behind, like they are, it's hard for, for a young quarterback to play, to play well. 
Meantime, the Dolphins and the Raiders. The Raiders are now 3-0. Their best start since 2002. John Gruden is puffing out that chest right now. He's fired up. They beat the Dolphins without Tua at home, but it took until overtime. Uh, again, this was the last game of the day on Red Zone, so at this point, I could really lock in once the Rams game was over. The Dolphins, 14-0 start. Vegas scores 25 unanswered. And then Brissett on a fourth and goal with two seconds left in the game scores. And then they get the two-point convert to go to overtime. Now, both teams trade field goals in overtime. Look, it was kind of lackluster, but then Carr finally drives them down late. They do hit the game winner as time expires. It wasn't one for the record books, Mike, but the Raiders are now 3-0. Good for them. Good for them. I mean, they, they, they get almost 500 yards of offense. I mean, they moved the ball at will on them. I mean, they were moving the ball. They couldn't cover them. And Carr, you know, they, they got the one touchdown, you know, uh, uh, on the interception. They get the big lead, 14-0. Landon Roberts takes one in. Brissett played better as the game went on once he got some time. I mean, look, Miami's offensive line is really problematic is really problematic. They can't move anybody off of it. You know, Miami missed a field goal in the game. I don't know what the hell. I mean, at the end of the day, this game came down to one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in my life where they threw the ball across the field. Did you see it? They got the safety. Oh, yeah, like, That yeah, might have yeah. been one of the dumbest <laughs> pass plays I've ever seen in my life. It was horrendous. What, what was yeah, the play know, call like, there? Well, that was the... I have no idea what they were trying to do. It was like, what are we doing here? Like, why would you let that happen? Like, why are we throwing the ball to our opponent's end zone? Like, that's a call you might make out in the midfield or somewhere. I get that. But that's the end zone. Like, again, situational football just bites you right in the ass. Like, you got to practice that. Like, we got the ball backed in. We got to run. The, these are the 10 plays we're going to run whenever we're backed in. You call that? I mean, that's ultimately cost them the game. And at Brissett, I tell you, Brissett got better. I mean, he was determined to help him win the game. I don't think if Tua played, it would have been, you know, they could, that he could have come back. Now, Brissett wasn't good. I mean, Will Fuller had a chance to win the game on a catch. It went right through his hands. He could have won the game. There was a, I thought he was pass interference on one of those calls. They never called it. But look, give the Raiders their due. They're, they're 3-0. and Their execution on offense is great. I mean, they had 35 rushing attempts. They had 26 completions. I mean, they're able to, to really, they're executing well. They're play calling. Carr, to me, is the MVP of the league right now after three wow. weeks. He's playing better. There's no one playing better than him right now. Nobody. Nobody's playing better than him. He's got receivers. You know, he's got Walk, Waller. You know, Renfro makes enough plays. This Braylon, this this uh, Edwards kid from South Carolina, I love this kid. I, I was at practice at South Carolina. I thought he was really good. He has three catches for 89 yards yesterday. Everybody told me he can't run, can't separate. Okay, I watched him in practice. He could run and he could separate. But he had a bad ankle, and he goes to the combine, and everybody doesn't see that the ankle's really been the problem. And now the Raiders get him in the third round, and then they go with rugs. I mean, they're good. I mean, you're going to have to play good defense to stop them because they're, they're hard to handle. Now, you could score on them. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think they're better on defense. Everybody thinks they are. I don't think so. I think when they play good quarterbacks, they're going to have trouble. All right, coming up next, Justin Fields' first NFL start is one he may want to forget and a bizarre story of a Cowboys lineman bribing drug test collectors. We'll explain next. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, 
and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Well, the struggles for rookie quarterbacks, Mama said there'd be days like this, but Justin Fields, his first start, just a disaster. Think of this: these numbers. He was sacked a total of nine times for a loss of 67 yards. You just said, Mike, Miami's offensive line has problems. How about Chicago's O-line? They let their rookie quarterback get sacked nine times for 67 yards. They passed for 68 Think about that. You lose 67 yards in sacks. You pass for 68. You rush for 12, a net total of 13 yards on offense. Only one pass attempt for Fields in the first quarter. Miles Garrett in the Browns defense. He sets a team record four and a half sacks. You and I both said in the last episode that Fields was not going to play well. The Browns have an excellent defense. But Nagy is getting torched today. Again, lots of blame to go around here, but O-line, play calling, Fields, what a mess. It's a mess. I mean, I've been saying this about Nagy forever. I mean, keep looking at your play sheet, Matt. Um, keep looking at it. Like, don't coach the team. Just keep looking at your play sheet. One for 11 on third down. They had six first downs of the game, AD. Six. Two by penalty. Two by penalty. I mean, th- this is just like the reality of it is, is did we practice? Here's the thing that bothers me as an executive. We played the Cleveland Browns. They're better than we are on defense. There's no doubt. But they're not complicated on defense. We know who they are. So we got to be able to get in a couple things and do a couple things really well. Hey, you can make fun of Anthony Lynn all you want as an offense coordinator. Anthony Lynn, gets he gets into a few things every week that works, kind of knows how to do it. I think Swift might be one of the best young players in all of football. I think this guy's great. And he gets and Lynn gets him the ball. He knows how to get him the ball in space and take advantage of a skill. Give him, you know, everybody's... Uh, and I've been critical of Anthony Lynn more than anybody. But the reality of it is, is this naggy offense, I mean, they got to, they fired himself as a play caller. He now, and he brought, and he hired himself back. If you're Ryan Pace and you're the GM, you've drafted Trubisky over, over Mahomes and, and Watson, right? You, you, you're watching this coaching. You bring the coach back. You bring the GM back. You put together an offensive line that might be one of the worst in football with Jason Peters at age 39 years old starting at left tackle. If Feedy's the right tackle, he's not much better. You know, you got a, a young you got a young interior lineman, Daniels and Whitehair and, and some center. I, I mean, it's just really a bad collection. Their longest play of the year, AD, is 21 yards. Longest play of the year in three after three games, 21 yards. Now, I know Nagy's supposed to be a guru. But there's no rue in the guru. There's nothing here. I mean, he's got all these play sheets in his basement. He's decorated his walls in the basement. Like, tell me where they, they work when we have Tyreek Hill. They work when we have these other play. But you you just put this quarterback out there and basically with nothing. He's standing naked on the field. You gave him no help at all. None. I, I don't want to hear that. Well, he's young. No. I get that. You're poorly coached offensively. And, you know, you, this is what it is. And now we know why you don't want to play the fields because you can't really get him ready to play. Last year, we kept saying if the Bears missed the playoffs, that could be it for Pace, for Nagy, and for Trubisky. It was only it for Trubisky. Nagy and Pace are still there. But guess what? Nagy's not going to last the season. If this continues, I mean, the Bears, and we knew it was going to be maybe a transition year, fine. Dalton will start, but eventually it'll be Fields' team. 
But man, if you're a rookie quarterback, I mean, you got to give him a chance, right? When you're getting hit like this and blitz like this, well, figure it out, right? Adjust. Nagy doesn't adjust. That's what's so frustrating to see. No, he has no adjustments. It's whatever's on that sheet. He's not watching the game. These guys aren't watching the game. If they were watching the game, they would make, like, I thought Staley's comments were unbelievable for a guy who's calling defense. He watched the game. He knew the wind. He felt like he could take advantage of it. He knew Mike Williams was the best player on the field. They couldn't cover him. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Nagy, all he's doing is looking at this. I've been saying this for three, four years. He just looks at his sheet. You know, and he's got that pen in his hand and he checks things off like, like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, no, you're supposed to get first downs. You know, we're 71% completions with Andy Dalton. Well, who cares? Your longest play is 21 yards. No action down the field. Meantime, Saints and Patriots, let the record reflect, Mike. You said the Saints were going to have a good game against New England. Their offense was awesome in week one, terrible in week two. And you said, ah, they're going to play pretty well in New England. You just wait and see. And sure enough, they win this game 28-13. to They'll do Pat's offense first. Zero ground game. 49 yards in the ground. Mac Jones, their quarterback, the leading rusher at 28 yards, 51 pass attempts. He threw three picks. What happened? Well, I, I think the one thing I would say more, more than anything, I, I thought the Patriots' strength of their team this year would be their offensive line. I really did. And so far, the weakness of the Patriots has been their offensive line. They're, they're getting nothing out of their offensive line. They're getting pushed around. They've played three games. They've been out physical in all three games. Miami beat them up. Cost them that game. The Jets beat them up. They didn't cost them that game. They were able to endure. This game, the Saints beat them up. And the Saints didn't even have all their guys. They couldn't block Cam Jordan. They couldn't get anything. I mean, look, it's hard for a quarterback to win games if he can't get anything with the offensive line. And we knew. I thought this game would be one-dimensional. I thought they would have a hard time running the football on the Saints. And then once you get one-dimensional, now all of a sudden you've got to go into Dennis Allen's blitz package. you got to handle all that stuff. It's a hard thing to do. The Patriots got out physical and they lost the game. They turned the ball over. Malcolm Jenkins, every time he shows up at, at Foxborough Stadium, he gets an interception. Last time he did it, we were playing the Eagles. It was 2015. We're going into score. And next thing you know, he picks it off and goes 100 yards the other way. Same thing. 34-yard interception return. I mean, something about that stadium that Malcolm Jenkins loves. But look, the the Patriots got their asses kicked. You just can't hide from it. They got beat up up front, and they don't have enough team speed to really handle. When Taysom Hill comes in the game, when they needed to get a stop at the end of the game, they can't do it. You know, they did a good job on Kamara. They got Kamara. They got a third down in the red zone. They got Kamara. You know, who's the ball going to in the red zone? What's well, going to go to Kamara, right? They, they got him. He runs a simple angle route, and he walks in the end zone. Patriots allowed three for four in the red zone. You can't win with that. You can't win doing that stuff. They spend so much time. And this was a game where you wanted to limit the Saints. You wanted to make Jameis play from in front, play from behind. That was the whole key to the game. I mean, here's Jameis. He's 13 for 21 for 128 yards. He got sacked three times. Basically, he didn't have to make any plays. But where the Saints are good, they were good on third down. Six for 13 on third down. They knew how to They knew how to get in the third down. They knew how to block it, and they made the plays. I mean, it was, you know, I, I, I was worried about this game for the Patriots all week long. It just wasn't a good matchup for the Patriots. 
As you had predicted, and as I had predicted, shockingly, the Bengals beat the Steelers. Thank God. You were threatening me with an intervention like we gave Christopher Moltisanti and the Sopranos, but the Bengals get back on track. Jamar Chase had a couple touchdowns. It wasn't that I was buying the Bengals. I just knew the Steelers were in trouble. They failed to score more than 70 points in a game this season. 17 points. They can't score more than that. Um, they're relying on the running back, Najee Harris. I think Chase Claypool is a great receiver, but listen, they got problems. And this division now, Mike, Cincy, Baltimore, and Cleveland are all 2-1. I like the Browns the most of that group after the Ravens pull off that miraculous win, but obviously they're pretty good. And the Steelers are 1-2. and two. The Steelers might be dead last in this division when it's all said and done. Oh, they're going to be. I mean, here's the reality. I mean, here's the reality. Burrow only attempted 18 passes in the game. Only 18 passes in the game. And they were able, when you could run the ball on Pittsburgh, they had 24 carries for 86, 96 yards. When you can run the ball on Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh can't run the ball on you, you're going to beat them. Ben threw it 58 times. Ben can't throw it 58 times. Ben can't move. I mean, the combination of Ben's age and the lack of their ability to handle the pressure, their offensive line, it just compounds itself. And the Bengals really did nothing. I mean, the Bengals were efficient. They avoided losing. Give them credit. Give give Zach Taylor credit. I never want to be on his side, but they were two for two in the red zone. They were one for one in goal to go. They didn't turn the ball over. They were efficient. They didn't throw an interception. They let Pittsburgh beat themselves, and they did. I mean, look, I watched all those games yesterday. I watched tape this morning. Ben is looks like he's playing in cement. Matt Ryan looks like he won't throw the ball at all. Got guys open down the field. He won't throw it. Carson Wentz, he won't throw it. It's a problem when older quarterbacks, they just don't trust their arms to get the ball in there. I think Ben's problem is more lack of, not his arm, it's more his movement and the bad offensive line in front of him. And that's why there's so many questions right now for Pittsburgh. Forget about what their defense can do. If they don't fix this offense, it's going to be another long, long year. Colts and Titans. And this continues their theme, Mike. Again, aging quarterbacks. So Roethlisberger, like you said, it's not his arm. It's his movement. Well, how about the movement of Carson Wentz? Clearly hobbled by ankle sprains in both ankles. Apparently, it was the lower ankle, not the higher ankle. Uh, The left one was worse than the right. Add it all up, the Colts scored one touchdown. And you and I both had them go to the playoffs. Guess what? They're not going to the playoffs. 0-3. They're done. They they got to face reality. They're not very good. I, I don't. I never have liked them on defense. I hate the little guys running around. You know, you got. We're going to win with quickness. But here's the problem: you can win with quickness, but when you play 34 minutes in a game, when you're on defense for 34 minutes, you're not going to be very good. Your size is going to take over, and they can't control the ball. They can't get. They were three for twelve on third down against one of the worst defenses in football. Three for twelve on third down. Look, I, I've defended Wentz. I have. I think if you're Chris Ballard, you got to be really careful here because you got a first round pick and play, and you got to make damn sure Wentz is going to be your future before you give up that first round pick. Because if he's not, you you, you might want to think about just getting a high draft pick this year and go get yourself a quarterback. And keep that pick. Give a two to Philadelphia because you just, I mean, Frank Wright has asked for two things. He wanted Rivers. He's wanted Wentz. And he hasn't solved this quarterback problem with either either hit. Hasn't. And now they're behind the eight ball. They've listened to the head coach on two of these. And I don't think it's a, I don't think there's a good solution for the, for the Indianapolis Colts. I really don't. I don't think Wentz is automatically going to turn around. And I did. I thought he would get back to us. But this is a team that can't run the ball. They, they can run the ball but they can't make enough plays. They're just not good enough. They're just not good enough.
And like you said, it's against the Titans' defense. I mean, you talk about a defense, whichever you're like, okay, our offensive five, pick it up. No, no. Against Tennessee, you can only score 16 points. What are you going to do against an actually legit great defense? Like, then you're in real trouble. So uh, it, it's very bleak right now for Indianapolis. Falcons and Giants, 17-14. Atlanta gets a victory. Both teams look terrible. But the Giants are truly awful right now. The state of football in New York City, Mike, the, between the Giants and the Jets, I mean, can it get much more atrocious than this? No, I, I don't think it can. Look, if you're if you're the new look, and I've and I've been all over this giant thing for four years now, you know, and and their PR department thinks I have it out for them. Watch the product on the field. You know, John Mara yesterday was kicking trash cans. He's all upset. If John Mara really wants to fix this, here's what he'll do: he will hire an outside consultant. Now he won't. He, you know. He, that, that's a hard thing to do. Like, who outside of the Giants building would be honest with them and tell them the truth? I don't know, but that's what he needs to do. He needs to hire an outside consultant, have that person come in or that team of people come in and examine everything from soup to nuts, and then write up a recommendation on what's going on in the building. And then follow that because if he, you know, but what they'll do is they'll bring Charlie Cashley in, who's a friend of John Maris. So they'll bring Ernie Acorsi in, who's a friend who's been there. And all they'll do is tell them what they want to hear. The Giants need the Christopher Maltesante intervention. That's what they need. <laughs> John Mara needs that. He needs that. Because this, you know, you can blame Gettleman all you want. Gettleman's just, you know, you know, he Gettleman is like Tatalia. He's just a he's just a pawn in the machine. Bronzini, the, the, the John Mara's Bronzini. Bronzino. What how would I say? Yeah, Bronzini. Say yeah, Don Bronzini, yeah. Right. I mean, that's he's running this thing. They say they wanted to change the direction with Judge. They're gonna. They're all behind him. I mean, Joe makes some horrible decisions as a head coach. The offensive staff is ridiculous. They lose Blake Martinez in the game. They can't move the ball. I mean, Daniel Jones is is trying to become a good player. Doesn't have a whole lot of help scheme wise. They sign all these players. I mean, they they trade for a Dory Jackson, and they, they they don't trade for a Dory Jackson. They could have traded a seventh and got a cheap contract, but they went ahead and paid him. Like, there's a lot of malpractice going on in that building. And if John Mara is really cares, and I know he cares, but if he's really honest with himself, he'll hire somebody outside. I'm sure they have somebody from England and all those teams that exist. And just tell me what's wrong. What what am I doing that's not right? What am I doing that's not right? Organizationally, you know, as I tweeted yesterday, you're, you're stuck in time. They'll remember when. You know, they had the ceremony for Eli yesterday. It just reinforces they remember when. Eli deserves a ceremony. He deserves the praise. But to me, this is what they're clinging to. And they need somebody to come in and be honest with them. To be honest with them and tell them what they need to hear. And not get mad at people for saying this. Not get mad. He said after the game, AD, he said that I would boo too. Well, if you would boo too, then you would listen to some people who've been telling you. This this, this goes back to Eli. They held on to Eli two years too long. Like their problems have been right in front of them. Thinking Davis Webb was better than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, th- th- this problem with the Giants has gone back all the way. They can blame Ben McAdoo. They can blame Pat Shermer. They can blame Jerry Reese. The problems are organizationally and institutionally. That's what the problems are. Until they want to admit that, they're not going to go anywhere. And John Mara's got to be enough of a, of a secure person as an owner to say, 
I can't, I can't figure out what's wrong. Somebody help me. But he, what he'll do is he'll hire somebody that he knows and likes and won't tell him the truth or scared to tell him the truth. You know, like it's not that complicated. You got too many people that, that think one way. You got to change, you got to have a radical enterprise and you got to focus on what matters. And we got to stop remembering when. And we got to change the way we do business. And we got to people, bring people in here with different ideas and different ways to do things. Or else it's not going to get any better. I mean, the next, the, their next games, they go to New Orleans, they cut, then they got Dallas, they've got, uh, then they got Kansas City, I think they got Carolina. I mean, it's going to get uglier and uglier. It is ugly right now if you're a fan of the New York Giants. And not to skip ahead to our awards, but I have a contender here for if you don't know, now you know, which is Washington's defense. Which you have said, Mike, hey, don't believe the hype here. Josh Allen, he looked great. He entered the game 56% completion rate, but he was excellent. 358 yards, five touchdowns. Okay, good news. Bills get back on track. Washington's the story, though. They had already allowed a combined 815 yards in two games. They gave up 481 and 29 first downs to Buffalo. They were number two in the league a year ago. I mean, if Ron Rivera is saying, you know, this is a game as a measuring stick, which is what he said going in, they're now one and two. And it's their defense, which is a disaster. Why? is They they allow a 56.7% conversion on third down. That's bad. (laughs) They allow 4.2 yards per carry. That's bad. Oh, but, you know, Chase Young's the greatest pass rusher in the history of all of football. He has no sacks, by the way. None. He runs past the quarterback like it's his job. Like he runs past the quarterback like it's his job. And who's going to say a bad word about Chase Young? Everybody talks about this Washington defense. You know, they go all Dickie Vitale. Oh, it's the greatest of all time. They've been outscored 21 to 3 in the first quarter. I mean, they, they, they've been out 19 to 10 in the third quarter. I mean, at some point, here's your Ron Rivera. It's either players, coaches, or scheme. All right? You got to make that decision. Del Rio is one of your best friends. You're going to fire Del Rio? You got to change, make him change the scheme, right? Scott Turner, you, you, North Turner, Scott Turner, all a friend, 26% on third down. Now, new quarterback, all that. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You barely, you shouldn't have won the Washington, I'm, the Giant game. I, I'm not sure that kid was offsides in the game. It's not even close. This defense stinks. It's the most overrated. It's, I've been saying it forever. If Jalen Hurts doesn't leave the game, they don't even make the playoffs. Like, what's so hard to comprehend about that? Like, it's just so, but the rhetoric continues, it continues, it continues. Like, they're great. They're great on defense. They're great. They play 34 minutes of defense this year so far in three games. They're on the field for 34-29. If you're a great defense, you're playing 35 minutes a game? Are you giving up 7.7 yards per attempt? Is your opponent quarterback rating 105? I mean, I kicked myself in the ass. I mean, like I was thinking Washington, I kept saying to myself, well, this is the week Washington can do it because Buffalo's weakness in their team is their offensive line and this defensive front. But at some point, you just because you're a one doesn't mean you're a good player. Definitely. If you're not paying attention, you don't realize how bad they are. It's just all about the hype and the headlines. We'll see if Washington get back on track. But the fact that they've stumbled opens the door for tonight's Monday night football game. Two of the biggest fan bases going. The Eagles at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus three and a half. Both teams at one and one. The winner will take the lead in the NFC East. Dallas is favored, but if Philly can win a game like this, what huge news that would be for the Birds. No doubt. I mean, and look, you know, Dallas has played two games. They got bailed. I mean, they did a great job in the red zone. They turned the ball over on the Chargers. That's how they won that game. They mismanaged the end of the game. 
I like the Eagles tonight. I take the three and a half. I think it'll be a really close game. I think it'll be a field goal game. But here's what I would say. Jalen Hurts has to prove he's more than a single-win quarterback. He's got 39 completions on the season in two games. He had 12 in the last game. He, he's got to prove that it's not one look and run. He's got to prove that he's just not going to take off all the time. And so unless he does that, you know, he's going to give the Cowboys a break. But the, the Eagle defensive front tonight has to dominate. If the Eagles win, it's because Fletcher Cox, it's because Hargrave, it's because Sweat, they really put pressure on Dak and made him make mistakes. Eagles got hurt by injuries, actually, in their last game as well. Brandon Graham, we talked about this. You're right. The rest of that defensive line, which is the strength for Philadelphia, will need to step it up. Uh, one more quick one, then we'll get to the awards. Sources saying that Cowboys offensive lineman, Lyle Collins, has been suspended because he tried to bribe the drug test collector. He missed seven tests, which he claims he had legitimate reasons for missing all seven. The NFL prepared to suspend him for five games for his actions, but the Players Association stepped in to help negotiate a two-game ban. He still appealed the suspension. The arbitrator not only rejected his appeal, but also ruled that the suspension should be increased back to the original five games. He served the first game of his suspension last week. He'll miss tonight's game against the Eagles. Normally when somebody appeals on your behalf, you get it reduced. How about the arbitrator going, no, 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 we're going back to the full punishment. That's horrible. And so it's now five games for sure? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Five games, the original suspension. Wow. And the, and the players associate, I mean, who's giving this guy legal? First of all, who's giving this guy advice? The voice in his head has to be one of the worst. Don't ever listen to your voice in your head. Man, I'm going to go bribe the collector? Jeez. I mean, seriously, you're going to bribe the collector? Like, e even Christopher wouldn't try to do this one. <laughs> I mean, what, what's that? Matthew Bevilacqua wouldn't do that one. Yes, Jackie I mean, Jr. wouldn't Matthew do Matthew Bevilacqua wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, God almighty, how stupid is that? I mean, can we get any more stupid at all? I mean, look, I, I, there's a lot of stupidity. I mean, Ben Simmons saying he doesn't want the 76ers players to come visit him is stupid as hell. It just shows you what a push you are. It just shows you that you have no competitive spirit, that you want to take all your marbles and go home, that you don't care. I mean, here's you're making $180 million. And, you know, what drives me crazy about this is, is these players, they just think they can get away with it. I mean, Allen Iverson got traded. Matt Geiger, the only reason he wasn't a Detroit Piston was because Matt Geiger refused to do the trade, refused to trade. So Iverson had to come back to Philly. Did he put his tail between his legs? Did he sulk? Did he say, I'm not going to play again? No, of course he didn't. He said, I'll show you, Larry Brown. I'll be the MVP of the league. And he was. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons, I don't want to play. I want to be traded. Like if you're Daryl Morey, right? Trade the guy. You can't win with him. He's just showed you. He's, he just showed you he has no competitive fiber. You really and and so you're going to be surprised in the fourth in the fourth quarter of a championship game when he doesn't compete. Come on, please. Enough. It's the same thing when somebody shows you how stupid they are. Believe them. You want out, you're out, Ben Simmons. And as far as Collins trying to bribe a collector, it's about as dumb as Jackie Jr. and his buddy trying to rob Christopher no, no Fury at the poker game. I mean, it's just so stupid. This is Jackie Jr. territory. You're right. It's right. <laughs> uh, let's get to the awards. On the lamb, you got lots of choices. This one. Who do you got? Oh, man. Well, I got the John Maris got to go on the lamp. It's John Maris got to go look in the mirror. He can kick all the trash cans he wants. He's got he's to do something to help his franchise. And, 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 and he can't fire the coach after two years because he's already done that twice. Until he decides to institutionally look at his organization and make changes and remove himself from those changes, because look, you can blame Gettleman all you want. Gettleman is just there to do what John wants to do and to do what Chris wants to do and the Mara family. They're all wonderful people. 
I say this with the utmost respect to the Giants. They're just truly, genuinely nice people. However, this is a dog-eat-dog world. They better figure it out. They need to go on the lam. The Fred Palermo Award, the best game plan of the week. I think it's no doubt Brendan Staley, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, going to into Arrowhead, them coming off a loss, you go in there and you beat them, six and a half, seven point dogs. You beat them, you, you spit right in the wind, you tug on Superman's cape. I mean, you sit there and tell them, I'm going to go for it. You throw a ball in the end zone. You, you don't even settle for the field goal. You tell them, I want the touchdown. Shit. God, you get, you get two Fred Palermo awards for that. <laughs> If you don't know, now you know. I nominated earlier Washington's defense stinks, but what do you got? Oh, I think there's no doubt you can go with Washington's defense. But if you don't know, now you know. It's Ben's done. I think Matt Ryan's done, too. I think Matt Ryan's done, too. I think I think the older quarterbacks are only going to get worse as we go on. And I think you better really strongly consider putting Derek Carr in your MVP conversations. And Justin Herbert, I think you better know that right now. Love that. Bold pick, especially there on Carr. We knew how Herbert was so good, but you're right. Carr playing exceptional football to start this season. Yeah, speaking of that, like yesterday, I'm watching, yesterday, AD, I'm watching the Red Zone and they announced that Josh Allen was the was the star player of the day. Did anybody pay attention to Herbert in, in Kansas City? Like, I get, I that this just shows you the mythology of the Washington football team's defense. Like, Josh Allen's put up 43 against a shitty defense, and they're shitty. They're poorly coached, they're poorly schemed, and they got shitty players. Other than that, they're wonderful, right? So, like, seriously, they put 43 up on them. Give Josh Allen, like, here's Justin Herbert. He goes into Kansas City. He goes right into downtown Moscow and wins. And wins. And he, and he, can't, get a, he can't get a sniff. Yeah. But, you know, that no-look that no pass was sensational, AD. That no-look pass, I mean, oh, my God, did you see that no-look pass? <laughs> yeah. People losing their minds on red zone. Uh, the GM Shuffle at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from Michael. Hey, guys, love the podcast. As much as I love the football stuff, the Sopranos takes are epic. Can't wait for the movie. I'm a Giants fan. It was a big mistake for Gettleman to take Barkley the number two pick. I'm petrified he'll try to justify it by signing to a huge extension. Barkley is now an average back at best with a knee injury. I also worry Gettleman will extend Daniel Jones as well to justify that pick. Would you get rid of Gettleman before he has a chance to do more damage to the franchise? I think we know the answer there. Well, I think there's no doubt that that uh, we've answered that. I mean, this isn't Gettleman. This is all John Mara. And yes, John Mara will extend Saquon Barkley. And yes, he will extend Daniel Jones. And yes, he will continue to do what he's always done because that's what he knows. If you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. To extend a running back now, I mean, look, Alec, Alec Madison, the kid came in for Dalvin Cook yesterday, was sensational. And I was all for signing Dalvin Cook, but Madison is great. Like, I would trade Dalvin Cook right now. I would trade Zeke and Dalvin Cook. If those two players were, teams need a running back, I might trade it. But, I mean, you know, they're going to do it because that's what the Giants do. They're going to stick to what they believe in. And even though it gives, got, got them 14 wins over the last two years, they don't care. It's a mess. Ultimately, they're in New York. But you're right, Dalvin Cook, who knows? Maybe they were born to run. Pop Culture Minute as we close the shop. Days away from, of course, the many saints of Newark. I- I'm watching Sopranos episodes because HBO is running them all. Of course, you can watch them all on HBO Max. We need to put the channel and see it on. It's always something special. I watched Amour Fu again, which is one of our favorite episodes. Oh. Dan-, Dan Grimaldi, oh. who is just fantastic as Patsy Parisi. When he looks at Annabella Sciorra, Gloria Trillo, who, by the way, in that episode, you get, you get all of Gloria. You see her in her bra and panties. You see her telling Tony, I'll tell your wife, which the look on his face when he turns back and throws her around, I'm like, 
like, oh my God, just vicious. And then you get Dan Grimaldi looking at her with the gun and saying, if you see Tony again, they'll be scraping your nipples off this interior. And the last face you'll see won't be Tony's, it'll be mine. And it won't be cinematic. I mean, what a great scene there for Parisi. It's so good. And she thinks she's in control. Look, they always send somebody out if I'm not back in 15 minutes. Like she just thought, okay, no, 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 bitch. No, 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 no. This is a little different. We're going to have a little different landscape here now. Oh, you know, like, yeah, this is the last face you will see. I mean, it's just powerful. It's just so well written. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Now, I love Amor Fu. I mean, you know, she's the, the whole scene that shot in the basement of Melfi, you know, with a car parking lot when she's waiting on Tony. Oh. And he gives, and he wants to give her another chance, you know? And then I, I, one of the great lines of that is too, is, you know, when he says, when him and Melfi are going back, you said dark. No, I said deep when they're talking about her eyes. You know, you said dark. No, I said deep. That's that, that back and forth. I could watch that all day long. That is really good. And I also was flipping around. I saw a little bit of second opinion, just which I know is your favorite episode. The line, I think Renzuli wrote that one or did he write a more foo? He wrote, I maybe mean, I can't remember now, but um, when, it, when, when Junior says, Anthony is one cunt hair away from owning North Jersey and I am that cunt hair. I mean, what a, what a hysterical line. <laughs> And that's the great lie, too. When Tony walks all the way outside to find Carmella to complain about he likes the orange juice when it says some pulp on it. Like, I didn't even know the container had that word on it. Like, literally, now when I'm in, when I go get orange juice or I'm in the shopping site, I look to see that some pulp, like a, a lot of pulp, you know? Like, he walks all the way outside to do that. It's so good. I like it when it says some pulp. <laughs> So funny. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. The GM Shuffle on Thursday. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE.